give us your kind of your background on how you got involved in this whole radio thing. I went to college at, um, I did two years at SUNY Adirondack, which is a community college in Queensbury, New York, just a little bit uh, south of Lake George. And I took an intro to mass media class and kind of was like, well, this is what I want to do. Um, this is this is great. I, I like communication. So I took a couple classes and then I transferred for my last two years to the College of St. Rose in Albany. And they have a really good communications program. I, uh, my concentration was in public relations and advertising, but I really took an interest to the journalism and audio end of things. So I actually applied for an unpaid internship at iHeartMedia when it was my second to last semester of college. And it was great. I learned everything, every department. I was able to go along on sales calls, but also tag along in the newsroom. And my first uh, big break, as I like to jokingly call it, um, we had a stampede of buffalo come. um, They escaped from a farm, and I have no idea why or how, but they just started running And I don't even know how far they traveled, but they ended up going right past my apartment complex. So I called the station, and they were able to get me live on air to do kind of a, um, like, just live about the buffalo stampeding my apartment complex. And uh, that kind of uh, solidified, I guess, me in the newsroom. (laughs) And uh, and then I did just some part-time weekend stuff uh, doing out-of-markets because we're a news hub in Albany. And so we do news for a lot of the uh, East Coast markets. So I was... In total, after the unpaid internship, I became a paid intern where I did promotional events and news. And then I think I left after about a year. So in total, I was there for a year and a half. And then I took a about two-year hiatus um, in the sales industry as a sales assistant at a newspaper. Found out that was not what I wanted to do with my life and uh, took a leap and left my full-time with benefits, sales assistant job to take a position as a reporter in the newsroom at iHeartRadio. And I've been here for, I've been back for, I guess, uh, nine months, nine months now. And yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. Well, I mean, WGY is no, uh, uh, you know, no easy station to get to get a job at. What's what's it like working at a, you know, a, a legendary station like uh, GY. It's an honor. It's it really is. I mean, the people, the caliber of people that I work with are, are just top notch. Our news director is is outstanding and has really been so supportive in this project of mine that I've basically just beat down his door with. <laughs> um, and he's it, it's been great. And my, I mean. I know it's really hard to find a job where you love what you're doing and you love the people you work with, but truly, and I'm not just saying this, I love the people I work with. They are just, it's a great group of people, and they are so hardworking and take 
pride in what they do. I'm just, I feel honored to be able to be a part of it. So how did this whole idea for, um, for this podcast come about? Well, I'm obsessed with true crime, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, I've been following uh, true crime podcasts for a while now, and of course all the documentaries on Netflix and Hulu. Um, I'm the daughter of a retired state trooper, so I'm well acquainted to the world of crime, and I guess it's in my DNA, I guess. Um, And I iHeartRadio has really been taking an interest in podcasts, and um, we had a VP come speak at our quarterly meeting, and he was talking about podcasts, and I had always wanted to do a true crime podcast, but I had no idea how to get started with it. Uh, I'd never done anything like it before, so I was really, I was hesitant to bring it up, and then I started talking with my coworker one Friday about my interest in true crime and the newest season of Making a Murderer and how it was just so fascinating and I would love to do something like that. So she said, you know, why don't, why don't you think about, why don't you do a podcast for iHeart? Do a true crime podcast. She's like, I'd help you with that. And I was like, oh, my goodness, we should co-host. And she goes, oh, I'll be your executive producer. That's Diane Donato, um, who is a veteran reporter, has been there for a while. And she was like, you know, you, you be the talent. You, you do the hosting, but, you know, I will support you 100%. So then we kind of started talking about what we wanted to do. And she had the wonderful idea of talking about cold cases because, as you know, podcasting, you really have to have a niche. You can't – it can't be – broad it it works better if there's a, a niche and so she she was like well let's what about cold cases and so I looked and you know we have a good amount of cold cases in upstate New York and that's what I, I really wanted to bring the attention to upstate because we are so much more than New York City New York City is great but there's more to the state than just the city and then I kind of the, the name just upstate unsolved kind of popped into my head and she was like, well, that's a great name. Jeff, our news director, happened to be walking by, and we pitched it to him, and he's like, yeah, that sounds great. And then we just kind of were talking throughout the day uh, as we were doing newscasts, and the name Suzanne Lyle uh, was thrown around because her family has been active in uh, fighting for missing persons and their families. So that's a name that we know very well up here, and they're not they're very local. So we brought up that name. Then the next, so it was that happened on a Friday, and then the following Monday we receive a press release from the Cold Case Analysis Center at the College of St. Rose, which happens to be my alma mater, and they're unveiling this new program, which allows forensic students and criminal justice students to actively investigate real cold cases and it's one of only six in the country the only one in the state and so they were announcing this press conference about this new program and the first case they were looking at is Suzanne Lyle so I went to the press conference I you know gathered audio which you'll hear in the first episode and then I met separately with Mary Lyle who was who is Suzanne mother's who is Suzanne Lyle's mother And a week later, we were four hours deep into a conversation, and I spent a total of, 
that first day, like six hours with her and realize the scope of Susie's case. There's just all of this, all of these questions that just don't have answers because a lot of the people close to her aren't talking. So it, this, in my head, Upstate Unsolved is just going to be one episode, so uh, one case per episode, but then it just was morphing into, oh my goodness, this, there's so much material here. This is going to be a couple episodes. And then I met with the professor, who is the director of the Cold Case Analysis Center, and she and their marketing department proposed a partnership between us and the Cold Case Analysis Center. So we're investigating this hand-in-hand, and then I put it all together to go out there, and hopefully someone listening to it will know something and call into the Cold Case Analysis Center tip line. When you are doing a uh, true crime uh, podcast uh, or even true crime research or mm-hmm. cold case research, how uh, helpful are the authorities? So it's tricky. We have um, we have met with the state police, but they can't they can't tell us anything because it's an open case. They know it's happening. Um, but they can't, they can't tell us anything because then we become agents of the police and that becomes a hairy situation when it comes to hopefully eventual uh, court proceedings. So we, they, can't, they can't point us in any direction. They can't tell us who or who not to talk to. They want us to be safe. <laughs> uh, but they can't give us any information because that becomes we we become agents of the police which so you're so you're not yeah. getting any documents or or files from them to help you with the research we can get what's public okay uh but a lot of our research has come from uh the lyles the mary lyle herself mm-hmm. Tell, take us through the process of how uh how difficult it is uh, to put all the storytelling together and all the writing together, how time-consuming it is um, on a project like this. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> that's been asked of me recently. I wish I had, I had kept track of all the time this has taken because it it's a huge undertaking. I mean, the interviews aside, which we've interviewed – probably a dozen or more people, and all of those run at least an hour. Uh, We had one interview that ran three hours, and that's not even counting the total of seven-hour interview that I had with Mary over two days. So not counting that, it takes a really long time. I, I mean, I know the first episode because... I had to set the tone for the season. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, about 30 minutes, and I think that took, like, 30 hours to make that first episode just because it. I had to kind of – I had a, a basic knowledge of Adobe Audition, but I have really had to teach myself a lot along the way. And my news director and the executive producer, Diane Donato, have been great in, you know, teaching me tips. But I really had – I'm sure. a hands-on learner, learner right. so a lot of it was that too. But it's also the, the – like you said, the storytelling aspect and the 
the writing aspect of it because I have to write scripts for all of it, and it that takes a while. Right. So are you? Uh, so you're editing yourself. You're going into uh, to uh, audition, and you're editing yourself. Yeah, yeah, okay. I do that all. Do you get paid by the project, or are you still working? And this is kind of on the side because it just seems like you, you can't really generate a ton of income at least until the project is done, and then you still have to make a living. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm hourly because this isn't all I'm doing. I right. also fill in for the newsroom, and I also still do promotions for the station. So, so this is basically your your side project. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, how many episodes with this first case do you have? So it's going to be at least ten. There might be eleven, but it will at least be ten. And they come out once a week. Once a week. And are you worried ever that oh my god, uh, I have one due three weeks from now, and I have so much crap to go through? Okay, do you no. have another? Do you have another case that you're wor- that you have like lined up for the future? We have a couple. Cool. So how yep. like how long ago did you start the first uh, case so that you were ready to launch last week? So from the time that I went to the press conference to the time it premiered, it was exactly four months. Four months. So, four months worth of work and all the research and all that. Yes, and like I said, I mean. I don't. I probably have not said this enough. The Cold Case Analysis Center, being a partner with them, has been so so spectacular because they had a lot of this research gathered, and so they were they brought me in and just kind of made me an honorary member of the Cold Case Analysis Center, and I've been able to just go over all these documents and immerse myself into mm-hmm. Susie's world. Um, but I think I. Started the actual episode around Christmas time. Wow. Have you been able to formulate an opinion on what you think happened? Yes and no. I say yes in that I think that there's multiple possibilities. I have been asked that multiple times, and to remain with my journalistic integrity, I don't think I will ever say publicly who I might be leaning towards because, honestly, there are so many unanswered questions and possibilities that I'm not 100% person, 100% certain on who this could be mm-hmm. because there are people close to her that aren't talking. And, yes, that one might say that makes them seem guilty, but they could have also been involved in things that maybe they don't want to get in trouble for that have nothing to do with Susie's disappearance. Gotcha. So yeah. what kind of feedback have you gotten? Have you gotten any feedback from listeners? I'm actually in a local uh, I'm in a local true crime group, and I was able to share on that. And actually, before it even came out, someone else shared it on the page and was like, ooh, this looks interesting. And all these people were commenting on it so excited for it to come out because there was a trailer and then I kind of and then someone tagged me in the post and was like wait a second that byline looks familiar she's part of this group and uh so it's been really cool and they've I mean I haven't heard a bad review yet I'm sure there's some but no one has said anything bad to me everyone has said that they're hooked and they're ready for episode two and they're ready for more now when when what day of the week does it come out it's going to come out on Thursdays. So the okay. first episode was different because we premiered it on the 21st anniversary of her disappearance. 
but uh, every other episode will come out on Thursdays. What is your opinion on this whole podcasting thing? I love it. I think it's such a great medium, especially for the true crime genre, because I don't think that there's been... I think this is the first time that stories like this can be told, because there's no time limit. There's no constraints. It's completely open-ended, and it can be as long as it needs to be, and it can be as short as it needs to be. So it's truly just about telling this story. And I think that goes for anything. It doesn't just have to be true crime. It's the open-endedness of it, I think, is really, really, really good. And I think it's important. So what are your favorite true crime podcasts, your top three? Okay, the number one, don't laugh. It's called My Favorite Murder. It's a true crime podcast. It's technically under the category of comedy, it's two women out in Los Angeles who are hysterical, and they don't make fun of crime or murder victims. They talk about the stories and just kind of riff back and forth, but they're really open about their mental health, and it's it's a really it, – it, it has garnered just a massive following of people. Like, they – travel all over the world to sold out shows where these two women from LA just read murder stories back and forth to each other. It's it's a very interesting uh, podcast. I definitely urge you to look into it. It's interesting. Um, so that's number one. The second one would be Someone Knows Something, which is a CBC true crime podcast. Um, and that I think is really, really well done. And I'm they were kind of my inspiration for this because mm-hmm. uh, just the way it, the way, the way he tells the stories are just so real and so gripping. And so actually someone compared our podcast to his, and that to me was a huge compliment because I think that he's wonderful. Um, and then the third would be armchair expert with Dax Shepard because he's great. <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, Phoebe, thanks so much for your time. Uh, the podcast sounds great. I love it. I look forward to guess, uh, listening to the to future episodes, and, and good luck to you. Appreciate Thank your time. Thank you so much. Tell yes. everyone at WGY we said hello. Okay, I will. All right, take care.